Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today, I'm joined by Gloria St. Martin Lowry, president of HPWP Group. HPWP Group is a consultancy that works with companies to create high-performing workplaces that value team members' contributions. Gloria, welcome to the show and thank you for joining. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be on too. So one thing that's on all HR professionals' minds is just the labor market and the job market. Between a potential recession and the after effects of COVID-19, we're in uncertain times, to say the least. No kidding. What do you think leaders can do to curb excessive turnover rates or at the very least improve retention? Good question. For me, it is we talk about turnover, we talk about turnover, we talk about turnover. And what we really need to be focused on is the retention side of things. And what are the strategies we need to take to really focus on retention? The workforce has changed, right? We see the demographic of younger generations stepping up in companies, getting promoted throughout, and we're not tuned in as much as we need to be. COVID caused people to really think about what they were doing, where they were doing it, and who they were doing it for. So people have made lots of changes. And what we need to do is to really spend time tapping into what are the wants, needs, desires of people coming into our companies? What's important to them? We hear a sense of purpose is important. We also hear a sense of adventure. And I think we need to change the playbook up and not just focus on the same things that we've done in the past, which is just do recruiting and you know, rinse and repeat. You know, leaders are pressed with not having staff, and so they tend to want to just hire the first person that they can get. And I don't mean it to sound that bad, but I think people get anxious and, you know, we should take a deep breath and make sure we're really tuning in, if that makes sense. Yeah, culture fit is a huge thing within recruiting and retention especially. So do you have any advice or best practices to ensure that either your company culture is aligned with the needs and wants of your employees or that your new hire or your existing employees are aware of what values you would put forward as a company? With that, I think you've got a couple of things. If you're tuned in to what your current team members are thinking and feeling, that's going to give you some really good insights, right? It's doing those sensing sessions to see what do people enjoy about working at the company? What do they like? What do they wish was different? What do they think the company should focus on? That'll give you good feedback for where people are at today. And that's just, you know, assuming you've got a good mix of people in terms of diversity and perspective, you're going to gain tremendous insights there. Other than that, be staying abreast of what the trends are and what you're hearing. There are all kinds of reports about what millennials and Gen Z are looking for. I mean, you don't have to search very far to find that and be willing to tune in and just say, okay, how do we do this balance? We've got our company objectives that we want to meet, and we've got some needs over here from team members. And how can we connect the two? And it starts with being open and a willingness um, to look at that. And HR people are in a perfect position to help bridge that gap because they're the ones more often than not dealing direct with so many team members. You know, how do we connect the frontline team member to the C-suite? 
and keep it connected because it's too easy to focus on just business as, as usual. Yeah. And that interconnected communication between like your high level executives and your entry level employees, I feel like that comes down to leadership practices at its core. It does. So what role does trust and leadership do you think play in retention and motivation and engagement? Oh my gosh, it is so huge, right? Trust is huge. And one of the things you'll hear us say in our group is when you have high levels of trust, anything is possible right? Anything is possible because you've created that comfort. You've created that safety. You've created an openness. And when you've created all of that, people are willing to listen, to dig in deeper, to step up more to accomplish the goals because they feel a part of it. They feel a sense of pride with it. And trust is one of those things that you can't just say it because a lot of companies have their values and trust a lot of times is up there. We value employees, we value trust, and they can't just be words on a wall. We've got to live it and breathe it. And it starts with leaders. It doesn't start with team members demonstrating trust. We're the ones in leadership positions. So we're the ones who have to take those active steps to build trust, to build respect, to make people feel valued. So what does trustworthy or trusting leadership look like in the workplace? Like what sort of forms can it take? Well, we're all clear on the, on the ways in which trust gets broken. And that's through micromanagement, right? And leaders... I don't think it's with bad motive, but when we micromanage, we send a pretty strong message of we don't think people are capable and can get it done. And so we've really got to be willing to take a look at, um, and I say mindset of curiosity, who are the people that I have on my team? I've hired them for a reason, right? They're good, they're strong, they're capable. And so if we really focus on that as a mindset, we then connect that to our behavior and say, what can I do that demonstrates that? I can delegate a little bit more. I can push responsibility and decision-making out. Trust can be demonstrated with flexibility. We hear all of this discussion about remote work and hybrid work and come back to the office. And it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And if leaders can and organizations can demonstrate more flexibility, then they're demonstrating more trust. Because we're not saying it's the policy or that's just the way that we do it around here. So increase flexibility, increase communication, and start looking at how can we push decision-making out. That's the ultimate responsibility that we can give people. And, and I know I get frustrated when I hear people say words like let and allow. We let our employees do this. We allowed them to get involved. When you're saying it that way or, or that's your perspective, then you're still the one in power. You're still the one with the ultimate decision. And I don't want to diminish leadership responsibility, but leaders motivate and inspire. And leaders don't have to make all of the decisions. So if we've got good people and we've hired them for a reason, let's focus on the things that we can do that just start pushing responsibility out, pushing decision-making out, giving people feedback about what they're doing, giving them praise and recognition for the things that they're doing well. And you know, when they make mistakes, helping them learn from those mistakes so that we can keep going forward. Yeah, I feel like shifting that mindset from a state of allowance to a state of encouragement is huge for leaders, especially in this remote space, just enabling your workers to have a voice, to have input and to have decision-making capabilities, like you said. And nearly 80% of workers feel micromanaged, which you had brought up earlier. So 
do you have advice for how to act more as a leader rather than like a, a quote unquote micromanager and still ensure that work gets done or still ensure that it's up to the caliber if you, for example, had an employee that had been struggling in the past? What's pretty typical is people who get promoted into leadership positions a lot of times are those good, solid, hard workers, right? You've been a top performer. You've been a key person. You've been loyal. You've been dedicated. And now we say, congratulations, you're a leader. And we don't provide a whole lot of other clarity or direction, support. And then that makes it hard to let go of the things we've done in the past. We've been good doers and we need to shift to being leaders. And so the, the tip that I would give is, as a leader, your responsibility is to think about the what that needs to be accomplished, right? You're more strategic in terms of your thinking. It's looking at the bigger picture. And then it's with the team members, looking at them, talking with them, and letting them know you guys are responsible for the how. If this is what needs to get done, let's talk about the how. That's where you guys come into play. And then with that, you're starting to give them encouragement for ideas and solutions and next level kind of thinking. So for me, it's we're the what, they're the how, and then let's try to get out of the way a little bit and let them dig in. Yeah. Do you have any other tips beyond like, I don't want to use the word allow, but like encouraging workers to make decisions or be more involved in the decision-making process on how to like encourage employee autonomy? I think a key thing is going to be getting to know the people on your team and leaders really dedicating time and energy into building those relationships. People are different and that's the beauty about it, right? And I think we, again, take a one-size-fits-all approach to oftentimes as, as leaders. Okay, I'm going to have my one-on-ones. These are the things I'm going to cover. This is how we do performance reviews. Fine, all that stuff, let's just set it aside and say, let's sit down with folks and talk about not only their job and their expectations, but what's important to them. What brings a sense of purpose and excitement to them? Can we marry that with work? Getting to know people personally. When you connect with people on a personal level, trust starts to build there because people feel that genuine care and concern. And when that happens, people open up more. And when you're doing all that, you're then in a position to talk about what's next for them. You're in a position to talk about what do they think about this project? What recommendations do they have? If they've got a hesitancy in making decisions, you're tuned into that. And you can say, look, you've gotten quiet when we're talking about this particular project here. Tell me what's going on. So if we tune into those subtle things with folks, we're really going to get to the root of what they're thinking, feeling, and or any concerns that they have. The ability to listen and remember as a leader is just so indispensable. Just like from personal experience, I had a meeting with my boss earlier this week, and my roots are more in writing than in podcasting. And he was talking about different ideas for how to like move the publication going forward so that I can have more opportunities to write and get back to like what I originally started in. Yay. Listening is a key skill for a leader. It's a key responsibility. We've got a person on our team. I love the saying that she has, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth because you should listen twice as much as you speak. Oh, that's awesome. And I think that that's really true for leadership. And we need to have that mindset of listening is important because when you listen, not just with your ears, but also your eyes, you get an opportunity to see more of what's really going on. Either the good, the bad, the hesitation, you just, it puts you in a better position to tune in. 
And when you tune in, so much more is possible in terms of the relationship, in terms of performance, in terms of communication. Yeah. That role of attentive leadership is especially important, I think, for new hires and how we were talking about. People are just getting hired very, very quickly in this day and age. Do you have any advice for leaders who are onboarding or who are in the hiring process on how to like demonstrate that capable leadership and get a sense of what person they might be working with? For me, one of the things is you got to be thinking about what's important for people to know in the organization about connecting relationships with others, including yourself. And so you can get feedback from fairly recent team members to get their feedback on what they thought, what they liked, and what would make it even better, you know, anything that may have been missing. And from a leadership perspective, when you've got a new team member, it is being deliberate and intentional, sitting down with them at the beginning. And I say to talk about expectations, we call it an expectations exchange. And it's not just what I expect of you, right? Because as a leader, you should have expectations of folks. But you want to communicate that in a way that demonstrates confidence, belief, appreciation for the fact that they're there. You also need to say, here's what you can expect of me. Because if I'm coming to you to say, you know, here's what you can expect of me as a leader, then that shows that it is a two-way street. And then the next thing you say is, what else do you expect of me? Because this kind of flips the script a little bit because usually... We tend to take onboarding more often than not as a knowledge dump, an information dump for people. And yeah, we're trying to get them connected and get them to know more about the organization. But as a leader, you can put yourself in that position to say, look, here's what you can expect from me as your boss. Say that, you know, sincerely. You're sending a strong message about the care that you have. And then you just double down on it when you say, what else do you expect out of me? What other expectations do you have of a leader and more often than not, people are going to be caught off guard and they're not going to have anything or much to say, but you've set the stage that you care, that it's a mutual relationship and it's mutual expectations and it's not just one way. Yeah. Ultimately, like the hierarchy of leadership, it's not effective in this day and age. At the end of the day, company culture is about human relationships and how you can collaborate and communicate to make whatever your goal, be it a small project, a large project, or like a company value come to fruition. Right. So kind of in that space, if leaders are aware that the company culture isn't aligning, for example, with the company values, oftentimes they'll say, we value trust, and maybe it's not present in the company. What steps can they take to reinvent or reinvigorate company culture? Another really good question. We do things in organizations unconsciously that can uh, minimize trust or erode trust. I'd say a really good place to start is individually as a leader, take a look at how you're showing up with team members and are you building those relationships. As an organization, we have to be willing to take a look at the processes and policies that we put in place to see, do those reinforce the value of trust? Do those reinforce the belief in people or do they minimize it? I mean, and policies are sort of notorious for that, right? You put in a policy that says you got to work the day before and the day after a holiday to get paid for the holiday. That's because some bad apple, you know, wanted to have a longer weekend. And then what happens if when you're one of your really good employees does that? Well, it sucks to say you don't get the holiday pay. And so we do things in our organizations that minimize it. You know, return to work policies or remote versus in-person those things can send strong messages. So the question is, how willing are we to take a look at the things that we do and just ask ourselves, 
does this make people feel more valued or less valued? And if it makes people feel less valued, we got to ask ourselves, is there something we can do about it? And you'll probably find that there are a good number of things you'd be willing to make changes on. Maybe not some, you know, some big, huge policies or things that are more disruptive to the organization, but there are a lot of small steps that can be taken that just start to say, okay, well, that's a little nuisance. We can get rid of that because it doesn't bring us the value that we're looking for. So I know I kind of arced off on policies, so I hope that provides at least some clarity. We just have to have a willingness to look at what are we doing and what's the message it's sending. Because I think even with the best intents, it's pretty common to have unintended consequences. What's the unintended consequence of this? And then we evaluate that and say, okay, what do we need to do or what can we do? And sometimes you can't. There are a lot of times where you can change it. Yeah. The importance of flexibility, which you touched on before, like instead of having a hard line, like everyone is in person and these are the hours you have to work, be like, everyone's in person, but if you got to pick your kid up from school, come in earlier and just get your eight hours in that way. Right. And let's be willing to look at it on an individual basis. And when you do that, those kinds of things also get out. People see that you're flexible, that flexibility demonstrates you care. And if we're looking at the retention side of things or the turnover side of things, if you're a company that demonstrates care and demonstrates flexibility, you're going to be in a lot better position to find talent and to keep talent. I feel like the genie's out of the bottle here. We need to try to not force it back in and figure out where's the comfort level that we can be at today. And then what's the next stretch that we can take ourselves to. And as a leader, I I just really want to challenge that we need to be thinking about what's next always. Here's where we're at today. Here's where we're struggling. Let's make some changes. But you know what? Even when we're comfortable, let's take a look at it and say, what's the next evolution for us? What's the next thing that we need to be thinking about as an organization? So we've really tried to, on our end, adopt that as a mindset, mindset of curiosity and a mindset of experimentation. Okay, well, let's try some things. Things are going well now, but let's talk about what's next and what else can we try? Yeah. And I feel like that foresight feeds into um, what you're talking about earlier about just employee and leader expectations. If you're already anticipating the employee is going to ask for more flexibility and you already have those in place, they're going to feel much more heard and seen. Absolutely. This is what makes work fun, if you ask me, because you get to be looking at what's next. Okay, well, we've done well here. We kind of stubbed our toe over here. What else do we need to be looking at? Because then you're really staying on the cutting edge. You're staying ahead of a lot of other companies that get mired into this is the way that we operate or as we've heard people say, we want to get back to normal. You know, everybody's looking forward to getting back to normal in this post-COVID world. You know what? What's so great about normal? Let's look for what's next. Yeah. It's not like we're going to break anything. We'll just, you know, we may stub our toes, but we'll learn from it and we'll make things better and keep our finger on the pulse of the people in our organization and keep our fingers on the pulse of what's going on in our communities and society. Yeah, that's a really good perspective to have. And since this episode airs on Fridays, my favorite way to close out the podcast is to ask you what you're looking forward to this weekend. Okay. Well, that one is really easy. My husband had major surgery, had heart bypass surgery on Monday. Oh my goodness. How's he doing? He's doing great. And after this call, I get to pick him up and bring him home. So that's what we're doing this weekend is celebrating time at home and revitalized health for him. So I can't have a better weekend. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that the surgery was a success and I hope his recovery goes really, really well too. He's on a great path, looking good and moving a little bit faster every day. So super excited. That's awesome. Thank you. 
And Gloria, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really been a pleasure getting to speak with you about leadership. I loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.